For the haters, for the haters, come on to it now or later. Whoa, uh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. It don't matter what your name is, share your story, we'll be waiting. Go, uh, 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 yeah. For the haters, whoa. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to For the Haters podcast. This is a sister channel of our YouTube channel, For the Haters. Uh, today we have a special guest, Patty. Uh, before we get into introducing Patty, we would just like to go around and introduce ourselves who are in the room. Um, you have myself, Becky, um, and then we also have Devin, who is our editor and videographer. Say what's up, Devin. What's up, guys? Welcome back. <laughs> um, and then we also have Laura here as well. Um, Laura is our writer. Hey, guys. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> um, so, Patty, if you want to just say hello and introduce yourself. My name is Patty. How's everybody doing? <laughs> All right, awesome. Um, so, for those of you that do not know, just to kind of go into a little bit more, um, if you haven't done so already, we, we suggest you guys checking out our YouTube channel. Um, last night, we did put out an episode of Patty's, and this is kind of just digging a little deeper into her life. So for those of you that have not watched the YouTube channel, we're just going to ask Patty to kind of give a brief overview of, you know, why she's here and um, talk a little bit more about the condition that she has. So if Patty, if you want to kind of take over and just jump right in. Sure. Um, like I said, my name is Patty and um, I reached out to For the Haters to get a platform to hopefully speak out on the disease that I have, which is called Hydronitis Separativa. I have the end-stage vaginal hydronitis separativa, which is rare. Less than 1% of the world have that specific form. I'm 43. I've had the disease since I was 8. And trying to get the word out there because it's not known. And not a lot of doctors know how to treat it. Questionable surgeries and a lot of misinformation, if you will. So I know that we kind of uh, talked about how rare this disease is, um, and I know that a lot of the time it goes undiagnosed. Um, so if you could just kind of just touch a little bit more on why people don't go to the doctors, why this is such a un uh, commonly undiagnosed disease. Well, there's only one word. It's embarrassment. It's a disease that's, it's, I'm trying to think of a good word to use, so I'll just be frank and say it's, it's disgusting. The people aren't disgusting, but the disease is disgusting. Uh, it's not pleasant to deal with. It doesn't smell good. It doesn't look good, and it doesn't feel good. And people think that they're going to be criticized for it, so they'd rather live with the pain and the disease to come forward. And um, what are some some of the symptoms? Uh, I know that you are at stage three, but more typically, people are at stage one, um, and a lot of people don't come forward because it's something you know, smaller and not as noticeable that they can deal with. Um, but there's a lot of cases that people should go to the doctor um, if they have this. So if you could just kind of touch on um, what you can expect to see and, and kind of the symptoms in each stage. Well, everybody in life gets acne. Everybody gets at one point or another, well, not everybody, but people get boils and they get cysts and those are common. They happen all over the body. Um, and when you get those, you should always go to the doctor because they can turn serious. But when you start to get a cluster of them and you're feeling them under the skin and they're in the armpit area and under the breast, which is basically where HS usually is. I'm going to call it HS for hydronitis separativa because it's a lot shorter to say. Um, 
you need to go to the doctor if you start feeling the bumps under the arms or under the breast or in the groin area because those are dangerous places. That's where your sweat glands are, and that's where HS usually comes from. It's um, basically your body attacking your sweat glands, and that's what causes the tracks and the, uh, you know, the scars and the boils. And I, you definitely have to reach out to a doctor because it can turn into MRSA very quickly. What is MRSA, just to clarify for those that are... Basically, it's a certain kind of bacteria that's resistant to a lot of antibiotics and very, very common in HS patients. Very common. I mean, probably four out of five people with HS will see that in their life. So, Patty, what's the age that you typically get diagnosed with HS? Well, from all the studies that have been done, and there haven't been many, they find that it definitely coincides with puberty. Uh, so girls, that would be when you get your first menstrual period. Um, that's usually the time, but it can pop up around 19 or even into your 20s. The little understanding that I, I do have about the disease is that it's, it usually flares up uh, in moments of, you know, hormonal uh, changes. So, you know, the first menstrual cycle, pregnancy did, you know... When you were pregnant, you have three children. Correct. Each time that you were pregnant, did you notice stronger flare-ups? Were there, you know, an increase in symptoms at that time? When I had my daughter, Caitlin, who's now almost 20, that was in 1999, it wasn't vaginally as bad as it is now. So I didn't see too many side effects, and I actually felt much better when I was pregnant. Unfortunately, when I had my son, Max, who's almost going to be 14, I had to have a C-section. And... Due to a prior C-section, I had many complications, and the HS invaded the C-section area. To this day, my HS is still there, and the C-section has not closed, and Max is almost 14 years old. Wow. So I deal with that on a, on a daily. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're good. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Yeah, that's complication. Uh, 14 years later. Yes. Um, so, Patty, um, if you could kind of just bring us back to when this first started, and you know, maybe the struggles that you faced, you know, as an eight, eight, nine-year-old with this disease. Um, you know, how was it? You know, being that age and and struggling with such a visual, uh, visual issue. Well, I always knew I was different because I had this problem and I always knew that something was wrong with my skin and I was always embarrassed to go to sleepovers because I didn't want to change in front of my friends and and I knew that it smelled because I could smell it. So I said, well, if I can smell it, other people can smell it. And that was still after cleaning myself. And um, it's hard as a little kid to not really understand what's happening. And once kids get a hold of that, they start making fun of you because you smell and, well, what do they know? I mean, they're just little kids, but, so you definitely feel different as a child. I mean, so you say that this was something that, you know, was not well hidden. You had noticed it. So of course, you know, there's the fear that others will as well. Did you ever run into issues of bullying because of your condition? I, I did when I got into high school. Up until eighth grade, I had a very close-knit a group of friends because I was in a small elementary school so there were only about maybe 12 or 14 of us and we were kind of like a close group but when I got to high school that's when things changed drastically so at that point 
you're 14, 15 years old, what changed? What happened in high school? Well, of course, I remember I started I started high school on my 14th birthday, September 5th, 1989. I had just turned 14, and I stepped off the school bus, and I tripped off the bus. And there were a group of boys that started laughing on me, laughing at me. Well, those were the boys that would continue to harass me for the next three years. And um, were they harassing you because you had, you know, done something that all of us do yes. at, at and certain points in our life, or was yes. it because of the condition? It was, um, it was a lot of things. First of all, I was the, the height I am now. I was six foot at fourteen. I'm you know, I was. <laughs> I you had glasses, <laughs> and I had HS on my face at that time. So, of course, they were going to pick on that, and they found it hilarious that I was different from the other kids. I mean, I was heavy, and I had acne, and I was tall, and I had big glasses back then, and I had frizzy hair. And Now, just to clarify, when you say that you had HS on your face, how did that differ from, you know, I, I had terrible acne growing up. Different, right? Yeah, like how much more noticeable might the HS have been, and what, what differences were there? Well, I guess like with acne, you get, you get a couple, you know, you get your zits. It's like I have one on my face right now. You get, you know, a zit and, but HS size, they're almost like, you know, they're like orange size. I think they're huge. They they go from probably like under the eye to like over down to the chin and, you know, you can, they're down here and they're, they're, they're huge cysts, you know, then they're just completely noticeable. There's no covering them up and they're red and inflamed and they're just, for everybody to see. There's no hiding them. So it's different than the normal 14, 15 year old that experienced acne. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You want to take it from there. So um, this group of boys, there were three of them, and um, they just teased me, you know. (laughs) It just, it never stopped. It was bad. They they tripped me down the stairs one time. I broke my ankle. Um, They used to unscrew the desk, so when I sat down, the desk would fall apart to make it look like my weight had caused it to collapse and um they would just put things in my locker and they would just call me names and finally what happened I had had two suicide attempts because of it because I just didn't want to live anymore because it was just so terrible and I finally reported it and told my mother what was going on and for them getting reprimanded I guess it really really made them angry so they decided that they were really going to teach me a lesson, which they did. And um, uh, finally, um, they tried to get it out. Um, it was, I don't really want to go into specifics about where it, I mean, it happened in, in a locker room, and um, I don't really want to go into how I, how it got there because I feel stupid when I talk about it because I was stupid for doing it, but. It's um, not. It's, it's not your fault. It, I mean, so they, um, you know, one of them held me down while the other one did their thing, and then they urinated on me, uh, force-fed me dog feces, ejaculated on my face, um, used uh, used different things on me to for penetration, not just themselves, and uh, beat me pretty bad. And because of all of that, like bacteria from the floor and all that stuff, um, it caused major infections in my leg. Um, and I had major internal vaginal damage. Um, I was just really torn apart from it. And uh, it uh, 
it was, I usually cry about it, but it's like not affecting me right now because I know that I'm speaking to help for the better. So maybe that's why I'm not in, I've cried about it so many years and I have, I have post-traumatic stress disease, um, complex post-traumatic stress and, uh, I suffer from night terrors from it and uh, my husband has been a blessing because he's always there to wake me up and I've slapped him and beat him a few times because when I wake up, you know, I'm, I'm, you think it's them. I, I think it's them and I've been calling out their names and unfortunately one of them had a very high profile father who was a lawyer and um, lo and behold it got settled and it was never to be spoken of again. The details of the settlement was closed and it was never to be heard of again. And uh, I used to think to myself, like, what kind of person am I to not only have this disease, but uh, that someone feels the need to force feed me, dog feed me, and urinate on me, and ejaculate on me. And unfortunately, that was my first sexual experience. So, so it all kind of coincided because the bacteria from everything got, my legs became, uh, that was one, that was very bad. My legs had swollen to like two times their size, and it, it, was, it was, it was a bad situation, and, um, yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's hard to even speak to, like, anyone going through the experience like that. Um, it's really frustrating for me, for many reasons, like, to hear someone from that position have to even like say that you know it was my fault in any way um because like there's no blame that could have ever been put on you for any reason at all and I feel like there's a lot of people in this world that feel like that you know that happened to them and it being their fault and like it's not and I can't say that enough that it is not your fault it, you know there's no blame that should ever be put on you there's no reason that something like that should have ever happened there's no reason like something like that should have ever gotten away with and you know there's no reason or any person in this world that should be able to do something like that and it only affect your life and not them and, and it like, takes and, a long time to realize yeah. that too I mean it's been you know two and a half decades later and you know it I've accepted it's not my fault. Do I feel stupid for what happened leading up to it? Like, I, I fell for what happened? Yeah, a little bit. But as I get older, I realize, you know, that it, it's not my fault. And I, the one question that always runs through my mind is, they thought I was so gross and so disgusting. Why would they want to get close to me like that? You know yeah. what I mean? I never could figure that out. It was just so, so crazy to me. And uh, it was, it was, it's very hard to look back and... Usually, you know, your first sexual experience is supposed to be great and it's supposed to be wonderful and and it wasn't and it really set the scene for future relationships. You know, it really messed me up bad for future relationships. Patty, as you're recounting this for us, we have, you know, your husband Bill sitting right next to you and having a pretty visceral reaction to all of this and, you know, by all accounts, he seems like a wonderful husband, a wonderful partner and really just an incredibly sincere man to be this overcome with emotion, just listening to you talk about something that, you know, you had gone through so many years ago. And so if we can bring Bill into the picture, Bill, if you want to say something. I don't like that story. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, I'm Bill. 
So we're fortunate enough to have Bill here as well. Um, we actually were able to talk with you on the phone prior to you coming, um, and we were pretty excited about bringing you out here as well. Um, the conversation that we had with you is amazing. Uh, that you know you have a great personality, your outlook on everything um, to to do with your family and your wife, uh, you know, is 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 truly amazing to see because a lot of people have to deal with this alone. And um, I mean, I'm sure Patty can attest for it that she's fortunate enough to not have to. Not not to discredit everything that Patty just said. I know that that is a traumatic event for both of you. Um, I I do want to kind of jump back to the disease itself and and you know how it's affected your family and how it's affected yourself. Um, if you could just kind of talk to us just generally about what it's been like since you've met Patty and the changes that you've had to make, you know, for your family. Well, I mean, as far as the disease goes, it's just my, I want to make sure that she's okay because there's nothing else that I can do about it except for make her as comfortable as possible and make sure she's as happy as possible. Meanwhile, maintaining all, you know, everything else that we have to do, you know, go to work, take care of the house, feed the kids if I need to, make sure, we, you know, that's just my role as um, husband and father is to take care of everyone the best I can. And I mean, sure, the, I can't say that her disease gets in the way of that because it doesn't, it's just a part of it. Like, it's just one other thing that has to be done to make sure everybody's, everybody's good. Bill, um, so you mentioned that it's just become part of your daily life mm -hmm. now. Um, so what goes into that? How does it impact your daily life? It's just like bandage changing or making making lunch or doing the laundry, you know, it's just maybe another load of laundry needs to be done because some, some towels or some blankets got messed up with, with blood or something or like, um, I don't know, it's hard to pinpoint because it's just been happening for so long. It's just so normal It, it to doesn't you. seem like yeah, anything it's just different. Like how, it's just how it's always life. been, yeah. How long have you yeah. guys been together? We've been together, like, we've been married for 13 years. Almost, almost we've been together 13. 15. How'd you guys meet? We met on America Online. On what? AOL. Oh, remember America uh, Online? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Who called them that? Yeah, we met on AOL. Oh, man. Like in a, in wow. a chat room? Yeah. Really? What yeah. kind of chat room? Um, It was just like... It, you I can say it. It was a fat girl chat room. It was. It was New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. He likes the I big girls. That. I can't help it. He That's likes the amazing. big girls. He Ooh. likes the big girls. That is incredible. Yeah, like girls. He likes fat girls. <laughs> I'd rather you didn't, but I mean, I don't care, I guess. And isn't he gorgeous, though? Like, how yeah, many you're, you're very handsome. He's yeah, very you handsome. have wonderful eyes. Oh, thank you. They're all, they're all red and blue. And, 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 I mean, it, he, he's, he's, being, he's being kind about, I mean, our daily life. It's hard for him. I mean, he deals with so much, and we just went through a hard time because I had a, a new doctor that I saw, and um, his advice was... That uh, sexual activity is no longer possible. And how do you come home and tell your husband that? Because and how long ago did that happen? That happened. What were we going on? About two months that I went to the doctor. Oh, so very two months ago. Yeah. Okay. And it, um, it was already. It was sparse. Al it was already because, sparse I mean, because it's, of the disease. It's a tender area. Right. You know, um, it's not something you can just go digging around in all the time. I was <laughs> packing him off, quaking. Right. I was. Right. 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 <laughs> I was packing him off. I had oh, she's just I like, was, go find somebody else. I wanted him to go, and I wanted him to find somebody to be happy with, because 
I do feel like a burden on him because he goes to work all day and then he'll come home and I'm having nightmares and he has to wake up and and I feel like I'm a, I'm a huge burden on him. It's always like, babe, can you do this for me? And I hate to ask him. And he never once complains, ever. I mean, how does I, that make you feel, Bill? To know that your wife, that you, you that know, she feels like a burden, yeah, sucks because she's not a burden. She's just she's just my wife, not a burden at all. Like I can say that every day, which I do, but it doesn't matter. I mean, she's always gonna feel that way. I guess I don't know what I can do to alleviate that pain, but I can help with all the other pains. And it, it just, having the disease and what I've gone through in my life is bad enough, but I feel that I have been rewarded with the family that I have. Like, listen, you're going to have this disease, we're going to give you three great kids, and we're going to give you this husband who's going to be absolutely amazing, and nobody's life is perfect, but Bill and I have a marriage that is just, when I say we don't fight, I mean that we do not fight. I believe um, that. I, I believe, believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I've known you for like two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. We, we spend all of our time together because I can't go out much. I mean, so we've made our home. We've taken all of our money, and instead of going out or going on cruises or going on vacation, we put it into our home because that's where we spend our time. You guys have like a home theater? We have like, you know, he's got like the, he's got the PlayStation like 4. Oh, okay. We've got the big you know, TVs, and we've got the place, you know, we've got that's all the gaming, awesome. and... And we're together all the time, and we don't fight ever. I mean, we really talk things out. Like, if we do have a little squabble, we'll start laughing at each other, because I always say to him, I'm just trying to get you mad, because you're sexy as hell when you're mad. <laughs> so it's like, I'll try to get him, you know, I try to get him mad, but, you know, he knows what I'm doing, so he doesn't fall for it. That's but, incredibly um, rare, and I think you guys are really lucky thank to you. have found each other. He's the so. most amazing human being that I have ever met in my life, and I couldn't be... Like I said before, I couldn't be more grateful for what I have. I mean, this is, my children and him are just, couldn't be more lucky. I would take the disease 10 times over if I could just have them. I mean, we see that though. I know in sickness and in health, it's a vow. You're supposed yeah. to abide by that. And I think it's one thing for him to, on a daily basis, continue to show up and be there for you. Yeah. And then it's an entirely different thing to watch him cry as you talk about something horrific that happened to you. Yeah. That's love. I don't care for that story. And he doesn't, and he doesn't push him to talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> I mean, How could you? Yeah, yeah there's did. nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. Of course not. But the fact that you cared as much as you did and we got to see that is really amazing. He doesn't push me. When you want to talk, I'm here. If you don't want to talk, and if it's four in the morning, you know, <coughs> let's throw on a movie. Let's do this. Let's just uh, take the dogs out, you know? Right. So... So when we talked with Bill on the phone, I mean, we'll probably have to send you the conversation that we had with him because he's being <laughs> a little modest right now. And, and the way that he spoke about you was one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard like anyone speak to. Um, we immediately hung up the phone and we're like, we cannot wait to meet this man. Yeah. <laughs> we hope yeah. he's traveling with that. I mean, he, he just spoke so... and. I'm just, the only reason I'm saying this is because, like, I want people to understand. Like, he just spoke with so much passion about how you and his eyes are so much more of a person than the diseases, and you see yourself as this disease. And he made it so clear to us that that's not what he sees when he looks at you. 
and you know his passion behind those words that he was saying and the just the love and care that he had and how much he hoped that you could see yourself like the way that he saw you um it was just so beautiful and i and i mean you want to hear people say that and people will say that and to meet you guys and just to see the interaction between you two um it, it just justifies everything that he was saying to be true um and it's really it's really such a beautiful thing and and having that and i and i said this before having that su support system it, it's just you know just so so amazing to see and i think that's what's missing in marriage today is the the first hint of a problem everybody has divorce lawyers on on speed dial I don't think people take the time to work things out anymore, or they don't. Somehow the romance is lost, or the everything gets lost because I think that our lives are so busy and this happens and that happens. But if you don't take the time to really focus on your marriage, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there are times I come out of the shower and I see that he's made the bed, and he's like, "I put your pillow just how you like it." Just the fact that he knows, or he'll bring me up dinner and he'd be like, "I made the pizza with the edges just cooked how you like." And I cried over it. I had the, we had this whole thing where I bawled for an hour because he cooked the pizza the way I like it. Like, who does those things anymore? Like, who actually, or he'll come home and be like, listen, I know you were getting your period, so I got the candy ready to go. Like, that's, that's how he is. And it's like, what? Can we clone Bill? Yeah, that, that, believe me, I've been asked that. I want and Bill. It's, 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 these don't seem like things, though. Yeah, I honestly couldn't agree more. I, and, I, and besides yeah. being a, an amazing husband, it, the qualities he displays as a father is just unparalleled to anything I've ever seen. The way he is raising our boys to be gentlemen is just unbelievable. And I think my son, Charlie, who you've met, is definitely, you know, can say Bill has raised me to be the person I am today. And he has raised Charlie since Charlie was one. So, you know, um, let's, let's bring out. Charlie, let's, you know, yeah. we have Charlie here, let's, let's bring him into the conversation, let's introduce him. Charlie, if you want to say a couple words. Hi. <laughs> a little louder. <laughs> a little louder. Hi, I'm Charlie. Charlie's a little bit nervous, so Charlie's 16, um, and we've had to ease our way in of getting some words out of him, um, but we're going to try to get him as most comfortable as we can. Um, so if Charlie, if you want to, you know, just going off what your mom just said, um, we will ask you more about, you know, your mother and how it was with that, but just speaking to Bill right now and, and what it was like with growing up with someone like him as a role model, um, through everything, you know, what, what was that like for you? Well, um, I had a pretty good childhood. You guys gave me a great childhood. We always traveled a lot and, um. We always have been very close, and I feel like I can tell them anything without judgment. And um, when I came out, they were very supportive, and uh, she's always been there for me, so is Billy. They're my best friends. And you guys being here, just seeing you speak to each other and, and kind of joke around, you can see how close you guys are. You're like, best. it's yeah. like your best friends. Yeah, just like you said. Yeah. So, so with that... Um, is there anything that you can think of that's important coming from a child standpoint? You know, how was it for you as as Patty's son having to watch her, um, you know, deal with this disease? Does it see? Does it just feel like it's a part of your life, or you know, are there things that you notice are different from other families? Well, um, when I was little, like little, little before I was like a teenager, 
Um, she never, I really never saw that side. I never really knew because she always put on an act. She always wanted us to know everything was okay and she acted strong. But now that I'm a little bit older and a little bit more mature, I know a little bit more about what goes on. And um, in 2017, was it? 2016? Oh. That was the third time I had sepsis. Tell me if I'm wrong, because I don't, I don't know if I remember. I think my mind kind of blocks okay. this out. Um, we lived in Ocean City at the time. Mm-hmm. New Jersey. And you went to the hospital, mm-hmm. and they said they, you know, they would let you know mm-hmm. back. And you guys left, and I didn't know what was going on. And then, I believe, Billy called me and told me what was going on. And I just... I couldn't believe it. Like, I was in disbelief. Because I know sepsis is bad and it's life-threatening. And when I went into the hospital to see her, she looked so weak and it was pretty hard to see her like that. Because she's my best friend and um, seeing her in the hospital without being able to see her it was just hard. Just the thought that she could die it was uh, really hard. And we saw her such like a strong person, and she's been my role model. But she fought through it, and she's better now than ever. And I'm really proud of her. And the day Charlie came to see me in the hospital, and I saw he was trying to be strong for me, it was the minute I was like, you know what? I got to freaking fight. Like, I have got to get home to these kids, and I have got to fight, because I can't think of a day where Charlie and I have not talked on the phone, like, 60 times, or he'll text me from school, and I'm saying, what the hell are you doing? Stop texting me, but he'll be like, I just want to know you were all right. And I think of, all my kids love me, but Charlie and I have a very special bond, and uh, he's always the one, when I was in the rehab, he was texting me during the night, and he was the one that flat out said, you know, Mommy, are you going to die? And I said to him, I said, I'll be honest with you, Charlie, I don't know. Because I've never, when they got older, I never sugarcoated it for them. I wanted them to know so they weren't shocked if something did happen. I wanted them to know that Mommy was sick when they got older. Is that, is that something, um, I, and I don't know if this is inappropriate to talk about, but is that something that you guys actively talk about? Um, I know that a lot of people don't like to talk about death, um, and it's always been a question of mine, is that if death is talked about more, does it make it easier? You know, you, you say that you talk about it like you know what's going to happen, which I feel like is a step above what most people do. Um, but But do you feel like you guys talk about it enough that you're almost preparing everyone around you for it? Yes, but some of them don't want to hear it. My daughter is very closed off to it. Just, stop it. She gets very like, I don't want to talk about it. Stop it. Charlie's really the one that's kind of, he's accepted it. Mm-hmm. Like I've accepted it. I think that and makes it easier too. It does. And I want, it, it would never be easy for them if something happened to me, but I know this disease will eventually take my life. And knowing that they'll be left with Billy makes it 
all that much easier to know that they will have him. And I just hope that they'll always know, even when I'm gone, how much I love them and how much they've been my whole life. And there hasn't been a day that's gone by that I haven't fought for them since the day Kate was born 20 years ago. And I love them so much, and they're the reason I'm here, because I fight for them, because they need me here. I mean, who else is going to take Charlie clothes shopping? <laughs> he only likes to spend my money. store. So. <laughs> yeah. But they're the reason that I'm here today. Them and Billy are... I knew I had a fight when I saw, like I said, in that day, I saw Charlie in the hospital, and I said, yeah, I gotta do this. And, you know, my our 14-year-old, Max, he... Knows that mommy's sick, but it doesn't really get it too much because I think maybe he's still a little on that verge of being a little boy yet going into being a teenager. He knows I'm sick, but not to the extent like Charlie and Caitlin do. So, but I couldn't have, and Charlie has said to me before, you know, mommy, the reason that Caitlin and I and Max, we don't give you any trouble is because we know that you're already suffering enough and we don't want to add to that. And I've never, I mean, these kids have never even been punished. I've never even had to punish them. I mean, they're, like I said, nothing's perfect, but I I don't know where they came from, but they're pretty damn near close to perfect. I mean, as you can see, Charlie and I are super close, and uh, I'm so thankful for that, so. For those listening. Now we're all crying. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're hearing a lot of heavy breathing and sniffling, it's because the entire room is in tears. Um... <sighs> Sounds like you have an incredible family. I have and I think that's, that's a huge reason of, of why you've been able to to go through so much and still <clears throat> be the way you are today. I think it, it, it shows a lot to the person that you are. Um, you know, because it's not only your family that feels this way about you and it's the energy that you give off to them. Um, I think that allows for this to be a first full circle of everything. So you know, with that and just, you know, talking a little bit more about the person that you are, we had the opportunity to talk to Christine on the phone. And um, for the, for those of you that did not watch a YouTube video, Christine is one of Patty's friends that she met on a support group um, for the disease. <clears throat> and when we spoke to Christine on the phone, you know, she spoke so highly of you as a person. Um, so she she went on to tell us about how... In your case, it's probably it's one of the worst cases that she's ever seen, and you know she's talked to hundreds and hundreds of people about you know the disease, um, but she goes on to just talk about you as a person and how you'll give up anything of your life, how you'll give up you know your heartaches and your time, as long as you know you're helping someone else, um, and I think that is kind of what the point of being here is, right? Is is bringing awareness to to this disease and allowing you. To kind of leave something behind that you'll you'll be able to know that you are helping people and you know I know that once this episode comes out and I know once people hear your story that there are going to be numerous people that you help and you know I'm so proud to be able to have this pla um, have this platform and have someone like you come on and you know give you the opportunity to help to, to piggyback off of what Becky just said, though, it's not even about people that have HS or think they might have HS that you're helping. You're helping anyone that's struggling with anything because the ultimate message you're sending is 
it isn't just about you. It's about a community. It's about other people. And if and if we don't help each other, then what are we here for? Right. And uh, like I've said a million times to people, you know, you can either lay down all day and cry, or you can accept it. I know it's hard. It took me a long time. It's been 10 years now since I fully accepted this is my life. And I say to everybody that talks to me, I was like, you know what, it's going to be a bad day, but the sun is going to rise again. And I know that sounds corny and kind of soap opera-like, but it's going to rise again, and there's going to be great days ahead. Because if I don't think that way, then, I, I mean, it's miserable life. If you can't be grateful, what's the point of living? I mean, and I'm totally grateful for every minute that, like, everyone laughs at me because, like, no matter what it is, it could be a piece of pizza or, like, a soda, and I just enjoy it so much because I've been to the point where it's like I... It's going to be in the ground. Somehow I'm here. So I'm going to enjoy everything that I've been given. And, and Christine was one of the first people I met, you know, with HS. And, and it started from there. And that this whole community, and we just got together, and we tried to make a difference. Um, I hope maybe to some people we did, and I hope with this platform I do. There's no doubt that I, I Even if someone reaches out to me and wants to know, I mean, I'm always available to talk to. I would help anybody. Do you want to... Um use this time and just let everyone know the, the support group? Sure, it's, you can find it on Facebook. It's um, called uh, Hydronitis Separativa, um, Strength in Love and Numbers. It, that is a closed group, but we also have a special group that's for picture sharing for people that need advice. And we're not doctors, but we are experts in the area, so we can say to you, listen, this looks like you need to go to the emergency room, or this looks okay. Or um, So we do have those platforms available for people to talk and it's been really useful to a lot of people I believe we have over 3,000 members some are family members that are just trying to learn how to support we started this one and um, you started I started it with and I, I made a lot of uh, friends I mean I have friends in Europe I have a great friend named Melissa in Europe and her and I are just best buddies even though we've never met you know we talk a lot and um I hope someday that I get to meet her and, you know, we share our struggles with each other and it's amazing that you can even touch someone's life across the pond. One day she's just like, I think I'm going to start, like one of these groups here on Facebook, I think I'm going to start one for, for HS. What do you think? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> no, it can't hurt. <laughs> so then we have moderators that work in it and it's all people that have HS and they range in age, you know, from my age up until uh, 65. Are there wow. some even younger? I mean, if it could be diagnosed yeah. as teenagers. teenagers. Yeah. 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 Yep. And then the mothers and fathers will come in. They're, allowed, they can, they're welcome to come in and talk and share their wow. struggles as caregivers. Mm -hmm. and, That's important, and, too. And That's because, believe me, the caregivers suffer. So talked about. Absolutely. The caregivers suffer just as much. May not, maybe not physically, but they carry a lot of emotional weight because they have to be strong for the sick. And sometimes they want to break down and... And sometimes they're forgotten. Absolutely. I hope Bill knows that I never forget anything that he does. And I, I, you know, I'm always thanking him. And he tells me I don't have to thank him. But, I, you know, he deserves all the thanks in the world. So That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I know we were kind of talking about this before. And I'd, I'd like to bring up the conversation now. Um, you know, just talking about the medical costs that, like, come mm -hmm. into come into play here. You know, what what's approved and what's not approved by your insurance. Um, you know, could you imagine not having insurance, having this disease? And yeah. 
if you could just you know you know kind of speak to that mm -hmm. a little bit and um, how it's financially affected your life. I well, I'm very blessed to have excellent insurance, and um, I know that many people with HS do not, and uh, we've lost a couple because of them not having insurance. Unfortunately, they were in the gap and they couldn't get the coverage they needed. I know in 2013 when I had my major operation, that's where I had skin graft. I had uh, both of my legs done, and um, that was what that was about a six month recovery. Bandages are not covered by insurance. These tape bandages, gauze. Some of the bandages were actually a hundred dollars each. The they're like a cooling. And how often are these bandages job. replaced daily? Every four hours yeah. or so. Wow. Yeah, and I mean he was going to the supply store. And this is before Amazon was really hot stuff. You Taking know, over the world. world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, he was at the supply store. I mean, we we dropped quite a few thousand we, on we, supplies. We were cutting that bandage there as small as yeah, we as small as we could. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and he kept saying, you know, not that I, not that I'm not going to buy them for you, but maybe we could try and make them last a little longer because medicines that needed copay. Um, Luckily, I didn't have to pay for any of the surgery, but um, the surgery itself, when we finally got the bill for it, it was $135,000. What, what surgery are you referring to? Um, it's called a wide excision, radical wide excision. They basically took all the skin off the back of my thighs and replaced it, you know, with, um, it was skin grafting. And because um, the HS in my legs was so bad, it had gotten down to the bone and the nerves, and I have nerve damage in both my legs, 20% in my right leg and 30 in my left. So I get quite numb all the time when I sit, you know, for a long period of time. Right. And, but the um, the cost of just the bandages is extravagant. Tape, and you're talking big areas. I mean, I have bigger legs, so to cover that was just... Then you're, then you're also talking comfort items, loss of work, if your caregiver is, has, you know, has to take time off. Um, they do pay for nurses, but only up to a point. I mean, you're not healed in two weeks from that kind of surgery. You know, you're, it's 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 about a six, it was a six month recovery, so it was quite the expense. And I always tell people, be prepared for it. I know you're saying you have insurance, but they don't send you home with the the creams and the medicine and the they don't. So, and it's rough. So. It's a system that. It seems irreparable, and I'm no expert. I would have no idea how to solve it, but it's obviously right. it's a problem. It's, it's a problem. problem, and something needs to be done because people are dying from not having insurance. I mean, I've seen it happen. Your own, you know, community members. My own community, just from a simple, small little bump that turned into MRSA, that turned into, you know, sepsis within a matter of hours. Because sepsis can come on real quick, and you got to get it taken care of, and they've been turned away from hospitals for not having insurance. And just for our viewers' uh, reference, sepsis is essentially organ shutdown. It's an infection or in the kidney. blood, and okay. if it, like if the MRSA infection is not treated, it would, uh, it would lead to an infection in the blood, which anybody can get, not mm -hmm. just HS. I mean, anybody, yeah. you know, you go into a, like, a, even if you go into a pond with a cut, you know, you could get like a, a flesh-eating bacteria, or it's any kind of bacteria that gets into your system and is not treated. It goes right to your blood. So I know we are kind of running out of time, and we really like to, you know, end each episode with a little bit of advice given um, from our guests. 
just give advice, you know, to anyone, to everyone who's listening. Um, even if, if they're in your situation, if they're in similar situations, just kind of like a word, word of advice that you would give. Well, the first advice I give before giving advice about the disease is that definitely enjoy your life. And if you want to do something, do it. Don't hold back. Enjoy every moment. Like I said, even if it's just a soda or a piece of pizza or you want to have a drink or you want to just enjoy your life and find something to be grateful for every day because there's so much to be grateful for. You just have to look for it. And I think that when you don't suffer from things like I have and you really take life for granted. And in terms of the disease itself, if you feel that you have this or you are too scared, you have to put that aside and you have to get help because... There are people willing to help. There's people willing to listen, myself included. Maybe doctors can't save you. Maybe I can't save you, but we can listen and guide you in the right direction to maybe making your life okay again because hiding is never going to make you feel better. And I know you're scared and I know you're ashamed, but there's people out here willing to listen. And we care. We really do. And even if it's just a talk, you'll feel better. Believe me, talking helps. It really does. Yes. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And now, uh, for yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. And now, uh, Bill, as as a caregiver, um, a father, and a husband, of course, um, what would your advice be to anyone who's maybe in a similar situation to yourself? To other spouses? Sure. Any any sort of caregiver. Or or... who's taking care of someone. I mean, it's. I guess it's different because it's not totally different. But she's my wife. It's not like not my mom or like some old woman that I don't really know, I'm just taking care of, but it's like, we just got this bond that it's, these aren't chores, it's just life, and it's something that you just do because that's what is, is the right thing to do when you want this person to feel better, but you can't, you gotta remember that these people didn't, you know, they didn't ask for this, they didn't go seek out this disease to, for whatever reason, and it, it was, you know, it, You've, you've it's not their us. fault. Right, yes. You know what I'm saying? It's not... Can you like, repeat that? <coughs> I'm talking about you. Uh, it, it's not their fault. And, and don't... You can't hold on to any kind of resentment because you're doing something you don't want to do or like... You, it's... You've got to be... You know, kind of selfless but for the right reasons and not for... Not for applause or... Or like recognition. You do it because you love the person you're taking care of and... And they, they need your help. Charlie, what about you as the son of, or the child of somebody who, you know, requires pretty much round-the-clock attention, and, and as somebody who, you know, you do fear um, might, you know, might be tragically hurt from this, what would you, what advice would you give to other children dealing with a, a parent, a mother, or a father in, you know, in any kind of condition that is life-threatening? I would say... To just appreciate every moment you have with the people you love because you never know what could happen to them. Amazing, yeah. So um, I know on behalf of my myself, Laura and Devin, we can't thank you guys enough. Um, not only for taking the time to drive all the way out, all the way out here. For the you guys that don't know, they drove eight and a half hours to come here, um, which is amazing, and we're beyond thankful. But we're just so thankful for allowing you to let us into your life, you know, even a little bit. 
Uh, you know, I know that there's only so much you can learn in a couple hours, but, you know, I truly feel an impact from your story. And it's just so, I'm just so grateful to have had this experience with you guys and to just meet people like you and, and continue to grow and, and, you know, show other people your story as well. So thank you so much. I don't know if Laura, Devin, you want to say anything? Uh, I mean, yeah, guys, seriously, thank you so much for, for taking the time and, and coming all the way up here to New Jersey to, to talk to us and share your story. And I really hope that um, at least one person can, can learn something from, from your experiences. If nothing else, I hope you know that, that the people in this room right now have already been impacted by your story. So, understood. Yeah. I thank you guys for the platform to do it. I think you're all great. And I thank you very <laughs> thank much, you. really. Thank, thank you. you. Bill's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, you're all wonderful. <laughs> great. Bill is great. Oh, oh, nice. so, uh, <laughs> I love that guy. Thank, thank you guys for, uh, for tuning in and listening. Uh, do not forget to check out our YouTube channel and watch uh, Patty's story on there. If you haven't the, already. If you haven't already, which you should have. <laughs> uh, but it's For the Haters, the YouTube channel. Um, and also, don't forget to check out our website and our Instagram and Twitter handle is for the haters as well, uh, and forthehaters.com. Also, um, we have business cards now, thanks to Becky. Yeah, <laughs> I surprised them with business cards. Um, so yeah, so thank you again for joining, and we hope that you guys tune in next week. See you in the next one. Bye. Adios. Do it for the haters. For the haters, for the haters, come on, do it now or later. Whoa, uh, uh. It don't matter what your name is, share your story, we'll be waiting, come